Hey guys, just want to let you know this one uh, is a little bit long. Uh, longer than our usual ones, just because we couldn't shut up about this debate that we listened to. Hey, watch. Gary, yeah. you realize that when they've downloaded the podcast, not only have they seen that it's called The Skeptic Wire, so we probably don't have to mention it, but I'm sure you'll talk about that later. But also they've seen the time of how long the podcast nah, is. Yeah, but it could be wrong. The time could be wrong, or maybe they're just playing it without knowing it and expecting that they're going to that they always listen to us for usually in between an hour to an hour and a half, and so they expect that they'll be done with the podcast by the time they get done driving or washing the 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 whatever it is they have to wash the the pachyderms, and and this one's going to go on a little bit long, so maybe they have to move on to I don't know the snake cage or or the or the lemmings. You do realize you just spent a couple minutes going on about how long the podcast is going to be? <laughs> well, I figure, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. I can't imagine why we went long this week. Because <laughs> I wasn't here last week and I was just... <laughs> so, that's pretty much how you talk every week, Gary. Yep. All right. Just let you know. <laughs> Have fun editing. <laughs> God damn you, Gary. <laughs> Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. Investigate 9-11. 9-11 was perpetrated by people within our own government. Okay. Uh, someone check his ID, would you? <laughs> Current events for the win for Woo-hoo! people who are listening this three years from now. Yes, and who watched who watched the pig ball. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the oblong pig ball. <laughs> Piggers are going to go all the way. I know you're from New Jersey. And I stuff. know. Hosting Where the Super a guy Bowl. was smart enough somehow to sneak into the Super Bowl with a fake pass. Well, okay, an old pass, but... That's because everybody who was uh, in New Jersey and on guard duty were lazy? Anyway, no. it is episode 148 <laughs> of the Skeptic Wire. This is the Skeptic Wire, in case you didn't know uh, from the download. You've randomly picked this one to play. Expecting it to be, I don't know, NPR. Yeah, they'd have to have not looked at the title of the show, let alone... It is not Skeptico. The Pusk. <laughs> or Skeptics with a K, or Dogma Today, or uh, a Monster Talk. <laughs> <laughs> We're also not WTF with Mark Maron, or Nerdist, or, or... Or Is This Racist, or Best of the Left Podcast. We're not Dan Savage. No, and we're not Greg Proops either. No, we're we're not a lot of people. Ah, but we are Greg Perrine. Yes, yes, I am, and yes, I am from New Jersey. And Gary Lund, that's me. All right. Uh, so, what was this about? Uh, lack security of New Jerseyans. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was kind of lack security. Wait, but was it because you got snubbed by the NFL? <laughs> me personally? No, New Jersey. They didn't like invite the mayor of the of the 
wherever it was held to the game. Well, it was held in held in East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is not exactly a big thing in and of itself without the stadium. Is New- there a West Rutherford? I, I don't know, honestly. Is there a North Rutherford? <laughs> the big problem with New Jersey, don't write letters. I know the only big problem with New Jersey is that when its sports teams win, there's no like big central city to have a ticker tape parade through. Ah. So Boston oh. or New York, they can just go down... Downtown. Whatever avenue, downtown, ticker tape, blah, 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 thing. New Jersey, because none of the teams are named after any cities, it's not exactly a good idea to go driving through Trenton or Patterson or something. So you're saying the the big problem, the biggest problem with New Jersey. Yes. Not the governor. Not, I mean, yeah, he's he's an asshole for shutting down (laughs) some lanes, but that is not the biggest problem of New Jersey. The biggest problem of New Jersey is there's no downtowns. The biggest problem with New York is that they keep on insisting that the Super Bowl this year took place in New York. Ah, Perhaps you should just get rid of the new and just be Jersey. Some people say that. (laughs) But I want to differentiate us from the little island in the English Channel that is the original Jersey. Sure, because that... Right. People always get those two confused. I would imagine so, hence New York. Exactly. Where are we going with this? I don't know, but back to the Super Bowl and the 9-11 truther who crashed the party. Ah. His name was Matthew Mills, and there seems to be some... Is Matthew Mills? Uh, Is he dead? It is, but I'm talking in about... Life a... he ha- er, in life, he has no name, but once he's dead, he becomes a person. See, Gary, this is why the shows where you're involved are about an hour and a half, but when it's just Donna and me, it's about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> his name is slash was Matthew Mills, because I'm talking about a story in the past, so I use the past tense. And there seems to be con- some conflicting reports on if he's from Brooklyn as in New York or Brooklyn, New Jersey. I've seen both, so these news articles aren't exactly big on the details. Or a girl named Lynn who likes to hang out by the brook. <laughs> and she's a hooker. It's Hooker Brooklyn. <laughs> you see, sometimes, Gary, when I'm editing these podcasts, I deliberately try to take out gaps of silence so that the <laughs> listeners don't have to deal with our long pauses or us <laughs> thinking for the next word leave that one i'm leaving that one the fuck in <laughs> just imagine craig's face as he stared at me going would you shut the fuck up so i can get on with it okay we have more important things to deal with this week essentially this guy mr mills snuck into the super bowl using an old pass from some previous event a couple weeks prior and apparently all the the press passes or whatever for the Super Bowl, they're all barcoded and they're supposed to be scanned at every level of security. But apparently this guy, uh, Matthew Mills, was able to just say, oh, I'm really late for something. You got to let me go past. And he would just kind of flash the badge, kind of like someone showing a toy police badge to get into a crime scene or something. Just flashing it to the lowly... The guy who's going to get yelled at. Yeah. The the, (laughs) the beat cop who's first week on the job, that kind of thing. And apparently there was a whole lot of those people who were just, okay, fine, go through. They didn't want to cause a scene or something, whatever. And this guy got in the Super Bowl and... He got on, like, the sideline. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure how far he got during the game, but at the end of the game, where there's the press conference with the MVP guy, Malcolm Smith, and this guy was just he ran... in the middle? <sighs> of the table? 
Because <laughs> it was his press conference. Yes, of course he was in the middle of the table. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this guy, Matthew Mills, just ran up to the microphone and said, Investigate 9-11. 9-11 was perpetrated by people within our own government. And then just kind of started walking away. And, and before he was tackled. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the guy who was doing the press conference said, uh, someone should check his press pass or something like, right. you know, not that he knew who the guy was, but apparently he was arrested for trespassing and not for claiming that 9-11 was an inside job, but for trying to get in with a pass. And, well, you wouldn't arrest somebody for saying that investigate yeah. 9-11. You investigate because someplace he's not supposed to be. You imagine on the 9-11 Truther website someone saying, oh, they're trying to silence him or some stupid stuff like that. Uh, well, but, I, I did, uh, did the unfortunate thing of read the comments afterwards. and <laughs> There are three people who, at least for the first couple of pages, were basically going back and forth. It was insane. Yeah, a lot of people doing the, oh, you can't explain Building 7 and... Oh, but he should be wearing a tinfoil hat. But so it was snark. People saw missiles on the day, and no, you're a fucking idiot. And, and a uh, a 747 cannot at all break through ten foot reinforced uh, wall, uh, ten foot thick walls. But I don't think that uh, the World Trade Center had ten foot thick reinforced walls. Maybe on the central column where the elevators are, but on the outside... I don't think it's going to be 10 feet. It's thick. mostly metal and glass. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a metal structure, and then all of the glass on the outside are not actual structural material. They're, right. they're sheet walls and stuff. They, so they, they, they really, kind of just hang Something there. that tall, it really can't be. Yeah. Maybe it was just thicker at the core. I don't know about 10 feet or not. I don't but. think it's 10 feet. But, uh, yeah, but you crash something into the metal and glass of the most of the floor. It starts really bad fires, which weakens the steel, which causes the collapse. That's correct. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> essentially. And it's not, it doesn't take that much imagination to understand that that's what could happen and probably did. But some people have the stories that they tell themselves and they want all of us to believe the exact same thing and yep. they want to debate about it all the time yep all right so we had some guy break into a press conference and and yell yeah keeping keep the 9-11 profile alive and as well they should <laughs> so uh anything else happened today like oh i don't know a birthday <gasps> a birthday yay i'm excited and i'm happy are you well, I can hear it in your voice. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Unless you're a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> okay. So, birthday today. Some days with picking a birthday for this podcast is really easy. You know, you scan through lists of birthdays, celebrity birthdays, or just, you know, science birthdays that day. And, oh, oh, that one. Pick, yeah, got, you know, perfect. You know, ghost, blah, blah, blah. And no, today was kind of difficult. Yeah. Um, I found someone who was born February 5th, 1865. Hmm. He had his day jobs and stuff, but also was a, not very well known, but he was a psychic or psychical researcher. Okay. He was a member of Britain's Society for Psychical Research, which is pretty well known for being very credulous about 
psychics and spirits and hauntings and all that kind of stuff. But apparently Podmo... <laughs> Podmore? That's his name? <laughs> Pod Podme? Is his name Podme? Really? <laughs> Is he from a galaxy far, far away? <laughs> That's weird. I thought I thought it was a female. Man, those jellies are messed up. Oh look, Craig <laughs> fucked up the birthday. Well, in the year and a half that we've been doing this segment, I think I've done pretty well not mentioning the names before. Yeah, they did pretty so good. far. <laughs> but, but I've been, I've, I've I've had you off kilter since we started. So. Yes, pretty much. Okay. So Angus Spudgorny, is that his name? <laughs> <laughs> the last name is Podmore. You were correct. Hey! Let's see if you can guess his first name, Gary. Fred. Close. Frederick? Uh, Frederick? <laughs> <laughs> Closer, there's a K at the end. With an F at the beginning. Frank. There you go, Frank Podmore. Funky. <laughs> no, 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 go back. You were right the Frank. first time. Frank. There you In go. Means. Not a lot of history on him. But um, apparently he was one of the rare SPR members who was actually fairly, let's say, scientific in his research of psychics and stuff like that. He was able to, through doing some kind of, I don't know, you think Penn and Teller trickery or something of, or James Randi kind of trickery to kind of hide his true intentions or whatever, see what tricks were going on. He was able to debunk a bunch of mediums and psychics and stuff like that <laughs> and published... Um, okay, I'm not going to be able to pronounce that. So, uh, he, <laughs> he, pr he published a bunch of stuff like, um, uh, studies and psychical research and stuff like that. He was actually cited by scientific journals as saying, yeah, he was actually an honest researcher of psychic phenomenon, whether there was actually anything to it. Well, that's cool. So not we a big figure this. in psychic research or something like that, but it seems like an honest researcher in Psychic phenomena and that sort of thing. So Frank Podmore, born today, February 5th, 1856, and died uh, 14th of August, 1910. Of drowning. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Right. So psychics and weird stuff like that. And something that a lot of people believe in, but is not necessarily true. And is more than likely not at all true. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of more than likely not at all true, creationism. Oh. Yeah, why well, would we want to talk about that? Did <sighs> something happen this week? Last yes. week? Week something before? happened yesterday. Yesterday? Yes. Good gracious. February 4th, 2014. Ham on Nye, the big creationism <laughs> debate. I love Nye that hashtag. Nye v. Sham. Yes. <laughs> A lot of entertaining hashtags on that one. There were, and and uh, certainly the creationists are claiming it's the the debate of the decade. And okay. I, uh, uh, no. Well, I, I can see, see some of their point in kind of the history of this because apparently, I can't remember when it was, but it must have been last year sometime. Bill Nye came out with a YouTube type video that said basically creationism is not good for kids. Right. To learn bad science and to not understand how science really works. And apparently there was some back and forth there, either through words or other videos between him and 
Ken Ham decided to put in his two cents and somewhere along the lines of that, there was a debate challenge that went on. And yesterday, February 4th is when that debate actually happened. And what I can kind of see from the creationist point of view and why a lot of scientifically minded people were a little weary of this debate happening in the first place is that he does bring creationism to a more public face, a more, oh, more people know we're thinking or talking about it now because there was this big debate with a very public figure. It, you know, if, if they had gotten a debate with Richard Dawkins or one of the other kind of very famous names, um, even Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's not big on the whole biology debates, he's more of the astrophysics and stuff. It's a very public person. So for them, it's a big thing. And also for them, it really doesn't matter what Bill Nye is going to say. They're going to believe whatever Ken Ham says, because the true believers who are on the creationist side are going to say, this was awesome. We won. It's and right. It's but, wonderful. But the counter argument to that. Now, I, I agree that with Dawkins that certainly he <laughs> shouldn't debate with them because that will raise them. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it worked out in science's favor we talked about this by last time i was on i think yeah and i wasn't quite certain but i did remember saying that if anybody can do it Nye can kind of do it because he's got the science communicator background of right. making it understandable and fun right and he's not a biologist debating him he is a science promoter debating ken ham i think he did a real good job of holding up creationism into the light and just throwing it out there that they really have nothing to stand on. Essentially so it was, saying it was this worth, is kind of silly. Yeah. I, I think, I think it was uh, eventually it comes down to that. This debate was worth it because he made it clear that this version of Christianity and certainly of creationism, uh, young earth creationism doesn't stand up to scrutiny at yeah. all. And he was able to, walk that line in saying, you know, young earth creationism, and especially he emphasized this point several times, this is Ken Ham's own interpretation of what we all should believe. Bill and I was able to walk that line at being a public figure who's used to kind of having to communicate these things and make everybody happy, kind of, was able to walk that line to say, whether or not you believe in evolution or not, that has nothing to do with whether or not you can prove or disprove a higher being or higher power. Right. And throughout he, the he, he was kind to believers and saying, you can be a believer and believe in evolution too. This is what, but all the evolution science stands up. The, the creator question, it's kind of a different question and unanswerable almost. Right. But he also made it clear that, this was Ken Ham's view. He would yeah. constantly say, the thing I don't get about Mr. Ham's view of this yeah. is. And so rather than saying Christianity, which I believe that Dawkins would do, Hitchens would do, and certainly some of the the more elite members who've been through all of it and have basically decided to whitewash and broad brush everything, is Nye kind of kept it kind of personal. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, when he would talk about how these apparently are all all this supposed evidence of Ham's all comes from Ham's interpretation of a recent American English translation of a 3,000-year-old book. 
he really pushed it on this is Ham's interpretation. Right. Why should we believe your story, you, right. versus all the science and scientists that di- that contradict this? And he w- he held up a rock he found by the side of the road, saying, "Plus, what I can see in front of me, a fossil in a rock with its layers and and all that kind of stuff." Yeah. Yeah, so we want to uh, go through the debate a little bit? Sure. Okay. Uh, you weren't there at the beginning, were you? I missed like the first 20 or so minutes because I oh. was driving home from work. That's a, that's a shame because you, you missed a, a cartoon for the Creation Museum saying that kids under f- 5 or 12, what was it? <laughs> kids under 12 get in free in 2014 to the, uh, to the Creation Museum. And it was it just reminded me of Jurassic Park, <laughs> only with the Creation Museum rather than just a little bit less dangerous. Dinosaur, yeah. <laughs> and and it was Ken Ham's voice and not Texas voice, and in English or British. Anyway, regardless, <laughs> so so you missed you missed the cartoon advertisement. Granted, this was put on by the Creation Museum, and yeah. in fact, if you want to go watch this debate, it's going to be up for at least the next week supposedly, at debatelive.org. They totally leave the word creation out, but it is hosted by Answers in Genesis. Gotcha. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point after this, someone has captured that video and is going to post it somewhere on YouTube or whatever. Because after this first week or two, the Creation Museum is going to try to make some money off of selling DVDs of this. Sure. Sure, and and if it had anything other than debate, like a commentary or something like that, it might be worth picking up or copying. Oh, I didn't say <laughs> it. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I wouldn't. I, I, no, Donna would illegal. be very angry at you for suggesting copying copyrighted material, unless they say that it's it's, it's free for for criticism, which is what uh, not. Kent, uh, Eric Hoven does. Oh, that's he puts right. his stuff up on YouTube and says, "Hey, it's free to copy and release." But the moment that you criticize it, he gives you a DMCA. <laughs> it's kind of a prick. Anyway, so moving on, they they did it in a debate fashion. But of course, something like this really isn't a, a debate. So they had a five, both had five minute opening statements, and immediately Ken Ham won the coin toss and elected to go first. (laughs) And so he started off with a PowerPoint presentation that walked through uh, creationism a bit and the importance of it and that you can't have logic without a God and that without God, you get the moral decay. But he also said that they have scientists. That was his first thing is, hey, we have scientists too. And he put up an aerospace engineer Mm-hmm. Who comes back later on in in his thirty minute talk fest? Right. That I mean, that's kind of a successful tactic for someone doing a presentation like this, even if it's short, just this kind of couple hour debate to kind of throw the same topics out there, the same names out there. Sure, people will remember it as opposed to kind of hitting, missing with different points and and letting things dangle, and you don't remember what the topic was. But if you keep repeating that logic can only come from God, or we have PhDs too, we have PhDs too, we have PhDs too, <laughs> then people will more likely remember that. And I think that shows the experience in debating that Ken Ham has, that he's re- he, he has experience in creating these presentations to be memorable verbally, 
even if there's not a lot to the science. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember what what exactly the specific topic was that they were supposed to be talking about. Oh, here it is. The topic was, quote, is creation a viable model of origins in today's modern scientific era? Right. And based on that, it's difficult to say that either one really stuck to of well, no, I guess I guess they did because they're, yeah. they're they're talking about the model, and to get to the model, you have to talk about what their background is and and how they're working. Okay, so they pretty much did. Uh, near the end, Ken Ham started preaching a little bit more. Yeah, he did he stick about- in not exactly biblical quotes all the time. He would re- reference the occasional verse, but he definitely used a lot of the religious language of. The, the salvation and thus God well, and yeah, thus Jesus. Be, yeah, because he, a lot of that language. Well, he also did specifically talk about Jesus and the resurrection, which really has nothing to do with, at all with origins. Right. Uh, so, and, unless you're God's a dick. But it, it does remind the religious audience that if you take away this creationism model from the literal Genesis, that means there's no need for Jesus to come and save everybody because there wasn't a literal Adam and Eve, there wasn't a snake, there wasn't an apple, there wasn't a fall from grace that led to the original sin, led to death, which required Jesus to come. So he's kind of reminding, if you believe one, you got to believe the other, otherwise they don't make sense, which is sometimes from a secular side, we kind of agree with that. Well, sure. If you take one, you got to take them both. You can't cherry pick quite so much. Right. Well, without an Adam and Eve... And a fall, a literal I mean, and a literal literal eating of the f- no, fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Really? <laughs> so without that, there is no reason for Jesus. Right. Which is why he had to keep linking right. those to say that's why, from his point of view, creationism has to be true. Right. I don't want to skip too far ahead, but there was a lot of points in the debate where Essentially, Ken Ham, when questioned, well, what about this? Or what would you you know, do if this was different? Basically said, I am a Christian. I have to believe this. That right. Paraphrasing him, but you're not going to be able to show me anything to disagree with creationism because I am a believer and I cannot be talked out of this. Which kind of begs Which- the question of, well, then why have a quote-unquote debate if you're not willing to see the other side or be convinced but, at some but point. But we knew that. Yeah. But and um, I, I, I don't, I don't just... think Nye, I don't think Bill Nye believed it going in that that Ken Ham would just deny the scales would evidence. fall from Ken Ham's but eyes. But there, there is a point yeah. I think when Bill Nye and you could kind of see his face just get kind of confused and kind of angry. I mean, he starts looking angry near the yeah. end. And so there's this point where, where Bill and I is just starting to get so frustrated and angry <laughs> at this guy who just absolutely won't – just won't relent in, mm. in the face of Evidence. unopposable odds. Yeah. <laughs> there is – peppered throughout the debate, there was a one-liner that Ken Ham really effectively used, especially the first one or two times. <laughs> And which it became was, ridiculous to the end. Yes. When basically Bill Nye would produce some evidence or something, Bill Nye... Well, let's, 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 let's throw it out there. So the question is, like, okay, 
where where did the universe come from? What right. started the universe? Bill Nye says we don't know, but we want to know, so we're going to explore. And that's why science is good. That's we got to trust the body of knowledge, and that's why it's important for um, our economy and competitiveness, and for human learning to pro progress along these lines. Right. And so, then Ken Ham responds with, "There's a book." <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty yeah, much but you know, it was definitely it was said with comedy at least the first couple times of, well, there is this book. Right. Dot, 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 leaving space for laughter. And there's this great meme out there of Bill Nye turned towards Ken Ham. And Ken Ham's in profile, but you see kind of part of Bill Nye's face. And this, he this, looks... This is, this is when he's angry. This is yeah. his angry... This is why I'm bringing this, <laughs> this up. Is near the end. He does look unhappy. He does look a miffed. And it's kind of... You imagine this quote that's on the meme being read in Samuel L. Jackson's voice of... Okay. Say, quote, there's a book. One more goddamn time, motherfucker. <laughs> because, yeah, he he was he was definitely. I think it was the George Bush versus Al Gore presidential debates of many, many years ago. People made fun of the fact that every time George Bush said something stupid, oh. Al Gore would just go. <sighs> yes, he would roll his eyes. He would sigh. He would. There you go again with your fuzzy mathematics. And a southern accent does make sense in that case because it's Al Gore. At least Bill Nye was able to show his emotion of, you've got to be fucking kidding me, giving that kind of David Silverman, you've got to be fucking kidding me look to... Uh, yeah, the what are you on about look. Exactly. Well, at the same time, still being civil and pressing his point verbally without saying... What are you fucking stupid? There was one point where you, I felt like some true emotion came through from Bill Nye. And that's when I think later in the debate, where we're kind of skipping all over the place, unfortunately. Right. Later in the debate, Ken Ham was asked a question. He kind of touched on a little bit, but did that debate spin thing where you're asked one question, but you choose to answer something else. Right. And Bill Nye just turned to him and said, sorry, Ken. But I am completely unsatisfied. <laughs> and that was just a, a, a total kind of, fuck me, just answer the damn question and because, accept the evidence. Because he, for, for the, until the very last question, which was basically what would change your mind, Ken Ham would not come out and say – he wouldn't answer a, a question directly if it wasn't directly from the Bible. He couldn't just say, oh, well, that's in the Bible or I choose to – uh, reference these verses in in a way, right? Because the idea was that he is basing stuff on science. So Ken Ham was trying to say that creationism, there's creationist science. In fact, let's go back to the very beginning Sorry, during yeah. the first. <laughs> so they had five minute opening and then they got into their big presentation. They had, each had a half an hour presentation, right. then a 15 minute presentation rebuttal, and then they got into the questions. Right. So during their initial presentation, Ken Ham, during his initial, started talking about science and what it means to observe. And you have observational science and you have historical science. And it effectively boils all down to, were you there? Yes, exactly. He also did go into, without a God, would you get logic? But he never really went into that. 
he asserted that without God, you can't have logic, and without God, you can't have observation. But he didn't prove it. Well, no, he didn't yeah. even try it. He just but asserted his, it. his big semantic argument, and that's really what it boiled down to, was trying to redefine his own words as if he was Bill Clinton trying to decide what the definition of is was. Yeah, he was using a lot of obfuscation and what, what's the what's, – what's, What's the one where you use the, the same term like science, but then you flip the meaning of it? Equivocation. He was using equivocation in his terms of of observation and, and science and, and what it means to observe. And he just kept on doing that bait and switch. Yes. You know, you know it was almost like it was like the cup and balls trick. You know? Which is funny slash ironic – because the reason why he was using these semantic obfuscation kind of word practices was that he was defining historical science versus observational science. And that in defining this, he was showing how, quote unquote, secular science has hijacked the word science and done a bait and switch on them. Right, right. He, he says sec secularism has distorted and taken over. Right. Science. That sci that secular scientists have been trying to confuse us on what the real science is, which is based on creationism, which basically is what we accuse the woo-woo side of doing, of <laughs> taking words like quantum. Like I believe Ken Ham has at some points, but I don't think during this debate he ever mentioned that word. But using sciencey sounding words like historical science, observational science, to play with the words, to talk about philosophy and language, and assuming that that meant actual science proving stuff. Like you said, all of his arguments most of the time came down to, well, I don't believe in radiometric dating, or I don't believe in... Uh, the Big Bang or right, all because that because used, no one was there to observe it. Right. In his radiometric dating, he also conflated all types of, of radiometric dating and just said, well, you can't do that you, you, because uh, he used the, the example of uh, Mount St. Helens and they, they were showing that bits, different parts of it were 0.2 million years old versus 0.63 million Right. The years same old. lava dome, right. one sample – yielded different results right and and sometimes yeah you're going to get error bars which is why like you said you can't just say i'm going to only use one type of radiometric dating you try different samples of different elements and different ratios to say all right the out of these 10 things i sampled nine of them agree that it's in this date range the other thing must have must have fucked up the test Therefore, sure. yeah, because I can get a good idea of what the a lot of is. science is about statistics. Yeah, and certainly, I mean, the the Large Hadron Collider is almost all statistics. <laughs> yes, right. So you have to be really good at that. But that that was, I think was one of Bill Nye's failings was he didn't glom onto that and just at least basically say, look, it's just like I've I've done this large broad swath of different types of things that point to a, a common occurrence. He and talked it, about the fossils and the layers and the trees. Disproving yeah. the global flood. Yeah, a lot about Noah's Ark and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Just like all of these different points of evidence point towards no flood, you have all different kinds of evidence that show us that, that this is old. 
I was a little confused by Bill Nye's presentation. Like you said, his 30-minute presentation went second. And towards the end of the presentations, when he started talking about radiometric dating, but it sounded either rushed or thrown in at the last minute, despite the fact that he had slides. I don't really feel that he delivered the knockout punch he could have mm. when saying radiometric dating show is a great piece of evidence to show just how old things really are. That he mentioned, was it rubidium and strontium and how a neutron change into a proton can yeah. mean... Rubidium becomes strontium or yeah, the, vice the, versa. The ratio, yeah, rubidium becomes strontium because it gets one element heavier because a neutron became a proton. Mm-hmm. And that shows how old things can be. Didn't really go into detail of why that ratio was important or half-lives or any of that, but didn't deliver the knockout punch that it's not just this one line of data. It's all these different elements all going together. It's like the fact that for a long time, creationists have really pounded on the idea of, well, if you do radiocarbon dating of a fossil, then you always get wrong results. But the science response is always, well, radiocarbon dating for carbon is only good for the last, was it 10,000? Yeah, Donna would be able to tell us, but it's yeah, thousands want, of years, yeah, not I millions want, of years. Yeah, I want to say it's fifty to 60,000 years is like the maximum. Right, because it's based on organic material PK, and right. compounds where if you have something as old as, say, a dinosaur, a dinosaur? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> if you have something as old as a dinosaur, which is millions of years old, you can't use carbon dating. Right. Thus, we don't in, well, we, the, the science community doesn't. We're not going to use that, but saying that carbon dating won't work on that doesn't mean that all radiometric dating is wrong. So I felt that Bill Nye really could have delivered a big punch at the end of his speech, but just kind of tossed it out there and didn't really follow up yeah which may be a problem with preparation or or it was i well or time well a bit of both and because neither one of those 30 minutes i mean basically those are case presenting so he wasn't really responding to ken ham in that he was just building his case for what he wanted to talk about until the rebuttal portion uh, it was probably he was just running out of time. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'd have to go back and watch <laughs> that, and I won't. Oh, why would you want to? It's there like were some, there were some moments. It's like watching watching Jesus Camp. There's only so much no, you can I won't, do. I won't watch, yeah, no, I, yeah. I can't watch that. That one pisses me off too much. Another thing that uh, I thought Bill Nye did is like science predicts things, and he went through which I predicted he was going to talk about Tiktaalik. And yes. He did, yay! <laughs> and so he he showed how science can different branches of science can come up with ideas that can be tested, and you can go and, out and everything find converges. Right. Can and so he kept pressing that to Ken Ham. What does your model predict? Without without predictive capabilities, all you're doing is you're looking at a book and then saying, "Oh, well, this matches this." But you can do that with any book. That goes back to Nostradamus. You know, he has all these weird quatrains that people have decided after an occurrence. Oh, this meant that. Yeah, the big lion meant Napoleon. The, right. the but, evil cancer—that's Hitler. Right. Whatever. But the hell it's not it was. a prediction if if it didn't make a prediction. If you can't do anything about the prediction, then it's not a prediction. It's like doing numerology on Will Shakespeare's plays or the Bible or <laughs> right. something. You pick out every fifth word. You're going to get something, but that doesn't mean that there's. 
prophecy there. Right. Bill Nye did try to emphasize, like he said with Tiktaalik, the predictions of if we look at these rock layers that are this much old in this area, this type of rock with this watery, marshy area, we should find something that probably is a transition between A and B. And look, we found it. And he tried to press Ham on saying, well, what is predicted? And this is kind of something weird where they're both said kind of Bill Nye says, well, what are the predictions you hold? And Ken Ham basically waved his hands and said, creationism makes predictions and can confirm things. Right. And then went off the deep end. Right. And interestingly enough, just before we were starting the podcast, Ken Ham was talking with somebody else from the Answers in Genesis or Creation Museum, and they were doing a teardown and just kind of, you know, belly aching about how how Bill Nye was so dishonest and how they he's just they, a mean bully, right? But interestingly, at the time that I was watching it, they were saying the 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 lady said, but he he said that creationism doesn't make predictions but you showed a slide that said you do make predictions and ken ham said well yeah that's right we make predictions we predicted that there should be a thing called kinds and that all humans should be one kind and all dogs should be one kind it's like but that's kind of taxonomic that's not yeah. really a prediction that's a, that's a human made thing I mean, it's just saying, oh, well, that's a bird. Okay, well, what's a bat then? I mean, <laughs> bat looks like a bird, but it's a mammal. So, but you wouldn't know that using your kinds, would you? I don't know. Yeah, I, I do want to do a little bit of a deep dive on one of the kinds things that Ken Ham was really pressuring on. So to back up a second, one of the things that Bill Nye was talking about was, well, if you're going to have Noah's Ark... And have a couple thousand kinds. Bill Nye said about 7,000. Ken Ham seemed to think there was one or 2,000 kinds. Sure. And in, in, in a later after show, some of the creationists said, oh, well, we've, we've managed to, to knock it down to the two to 4,000 kinds. Exactly. So yeah. Bill Nye said, okay, if you have about 16 million species today, and let's be generous, 7,000 kinds at Noah's Ark point, then that means doing the math on that. To get from 7,000 kinds to 16 million species now, you'd have to have 11 new species a day. And that's yeah. just of big animals and, f and all that kind of stuff, not counting bacteria right. or fish or anything like that. You'd have to have 11 new species per day. Ken Ham kept harping on the idea of everything came from kinds. And one thing he really pointed out was there was this January 2014 article that basically, from Ken Ham's point of view, proved that all dogs came from a single source, a single single origin is how he put Basically it. Basically a little doggy Eve. Yeah. So if and Adam. You had a dog, male and female, on the ark, which represented the kind, which is dogs or canines or whatever you want to say. So therefore, because there is this paper out there saying that from Ham's point of view – all dogs came from one source. <laughs> Therefore, the idea of creationistic microevolution, that everything came from kinds, but you could never get from dog to man. Or a dog to anything else. Anything else is absolutely possible. Therefore, creationism is true, and therefore the world is 6,000 years old. 
But in the abstract of this paper, I found it on PLOS Genetics, which is called Genome Sequencing Highlights the Dynamic Early History of Dogs. This is a really quick to go into. This is a study where they took three or six samples of um, wolf slash canine species and did a full analysis on their genomes to kind of work backwards to say when dogs and wolves diverged and just how much and they talk some in the abstract especially about how a lot of this genetic analysis shows just how much of a genetic bottleneck there must have been early on in dog slash wolf divergent evolution hmm. there's this wonderful sentence in the middle of the abstract of this article which says <clears throat> We narrow the plausible range for the date of initial dog domestication to an interval spanning 11 to 16,000 years ago, predating the rise of agriculture, and also predating, apparently, the creation of the world, right. let alone Noah's Ark. Right. But, but the other thing that... So, uh, just to finish my thought, this is just shows just how much people like Ken Ham will read an article very superficially... And cherry pick out what they think it means while ignoring everything else about it. Right. And one of the, the biggest parts is they're not talking about, which Ken Ham has conflated to being, they're not talking about a single mommy-daddy-dog pair. They're talking about a population of wolves that were, that's, were so small and then they split into wolves and domesticated dogs. Right. Is what, is what they're saying. But it wasn't just two dogs. You don't, you don't <laughs> yeah. get here from there. Yes. It's, and it's, you know, and that, that's also something that you hear the creationists and the people who don't understand evolution is it's not an Adam and Eve scenario. Lucy wasn't the mother of us. It was a population that included Lucy. Right. You know. It, it is unfortunate that sometimes scientists will use quote-unquote religious language just like calling the higgs boson the god right, particle right, right. but also there are studies that will talk about mitochondrial eve right to show of a population of peoples what was the kind of one woman common ancestor that must have kind of resulted in this entire population because there was a human bottleneck of population that went down to I think the current theory is a couple thousand maybe in southern Africa. They were trapped on the coast or something, and they, yeah. and that small population off to the side became modern humans or one of the lineages of modern humans. So that that's why there's not as much genetic diversity in humans, but it wasn't two people. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you always had to have one person who was the first person to have that mutation, which meant that they had picked something out of the air, blue eyes. There was always one person who had that first mutation, but it had to spread throughout the population. So there wasn't a first tribe of blue-eyed people that came from two people. It, it it mixed in with everything else and all the other mutations. I know I'm not explaining that right. well, <laughs> but it's it's not that blue eyes and blonde hair and white skin and you know, European oh, brow ridges right. all evolved all at the same time. Everything kind of all mixed together and then populations split because of mountains. Right, and trades emerged. Yeah. Okay. And well, interestingly enough, uh, today I found a, a article on Fox News of all places. <laughs> so I haven't, unfortunately, gone back to try and find 
the the actual art the actual paper this was taken from but just because it was fox news i had to post it and they say it is covered by plenty of other journalists places so it's not just fox news playing something out no this is true but they're they're the title of the article is Camel Bones Suggest Error in Bible, Archaeologists Say. Yeah. And so these archaeologists are, are basically saying that the biblical stories of Abraham, Joseph, and, and Jacob in the Old Testament are pegged about 2000 to 1500 BC. And they mention camels, domesticated right. camels. But according to these archaeologists, these Israeli top university. Uh, archaeologists, Erez Ben Yosef and Lidar Sapir Hen of Tel Aviv University, uh, they say that camels weren't domesticated until more like 900 BC. So right, somewhere by... around the first millennium BC. Right. So it, it doesn't seem like that long, but that's a couple of generations of people yeah. and camels. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed that the with this whole camel thing that with other archaeological and radiometric evidence, they were able to really kind of narrow down through multiple lines of evidence, a better dating of these bones that were found a few years ago of camels. It was something like there was a copper mining facility and the, some of the artifacts along with these camel bones and a sudden appearance of camel bones was kind of the proof that, well, we may have f- found the occasional camel bone here or there, but all of a sudden in the layers, we started seeing camels right. with all these artifacts, which meant this must have been where camels started to be domesticated, and it's way different from the dates. You know, camels may have been started to domesticate somewhere else, but probably still within that Arabian Peninsula area and not much earlier than that, which shows just how much the Bible was written later on by people creating historical stories from themselves, from the right. oral tradition, as opposed to the right, stories of have, Joshua. We have were... camels now, so they must have had camels. Exactly. Then. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think there's – I remember seeing some actually relatively intelligent either Science Channel or Discovery Channel documentary or whatever about how there were certain cities – I don't know if it was Jerusalem or um, – Nazareth or something like that, that certain cities that highlight very importantly in Jesus's time didn't exist until a couple hundred years later. Right. So it's that same thing. It was of, Jerusalem. Yeah, we had That's we think he was from Jerusalem. So he was opposed. We're, we're saying, well, that that must have been where he came from. Well, yeah, yeah, but but they but they had to get him there to to fulfill the prophecy. Right. But also like the prophecy said he had to be from Nazareth. But also there was this Jerusalem thing. It was. It was right. yeah, but all of it was written later on, saying, "Well, I don't know how long this town has been here because we just have oral traditions. We don't have historical records." Right. Unlike what Ken Ham seems to think is that all the Genesis stories, all the genealogy like lists that led to the six thousand year old figure, and all these history of Joshua and Solomon and all those kind of things, they're all literally true. Therefore, right, we must believe them all. Here's an interesting I didn't know. Um, I watched the the Eric Hoven post party <laughs> uh, teardown of the, of the debate. And the interesting that I didn't realize that they thought, but some guy with a PhD on this YouTube program said 
is that all of the sentences in the Bible are the same, regardless of whether it's Hebrew, English, German, uh, Chinese, Swahili. They all are the same. So they they think that the translation is perfect. That it's always word for word in the same order. Yeah, apparently. Whereas we know that different languages have different grammatical structures and... To us, some languages sound like Yoda speaking. Well, and they also have yeah. different ways of phrasing things. So, so go stick a go stick your head in the pig means go stick your head in the pig in English, but in Chinese it means may you have long life. Right. So you know, there's also these these uh, these sayings certainly that have to be different from ancient times. You know, yeah. you know, call me. The, it, they wouldn't even have a call me. <laughs> they wouldn't even know what to do with it. The Jonah and the whale thing that. <laughs> In some places, it's a behemoth. Sometimes it's a big fish. Sometimes it's a whale, right. which are all different things. And a lot of the flowery language that got thrown in in the King James Version was mm-hmm. edited and meant was, to be more flowery yes, and, and – And beautiful. Yes. Although the bagats really get on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I, that so doesn't the, surprise me that they all think that the Bible is exactly the same in all translations. Despite the fact that there are multiple English translations. You can, you can do compa- – there's, there's Bibles that have comparative verses with four <laughs> different translations. <laughs> the, the King James is definitely not the same as uh, New the American New, Standard. New Standard. Exactly. Yeah. So, but this is the kind of mentality that Bill Nye, I think, had absolutely no concept he was actually going up against, that people really believed – Shit. I mean, <laughs> you, you hear someone say that, and then you you realize that they think it's true. It's well, yeah. it's like a five year old saying, "Santa, the tooth fairy gave me a dollar." <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of shake your head and pat it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great, and you sort of encourage them because it's such a kind of cool thing for them to have. They're got imagination, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, and they, they don't realize but they'll grow out of it. Right. Is what you always think to yourself. Right, exactly. And generally yeah. speaking, they do, unless they go insane. But let's get back to the debate. Yes. So let's let's talk a little bit uh, about the scientific gish gallop that that we had. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> amazing. Uh, it was ama- <laughs> I mean, it seemed like Twitter exploded. Everybody posting the same thing about. I think it was the beginning of Ken Ham's fifteen minute post presentation rebuttal. That after Bill Nye had went on for half an hour talking about fossils and layers of snow, layers of rock, tree rings, and radiometric dating, and the flood doesn't make sense. The building of the ark doesn't make sense because you couldn't build a boat big enough and support itself, and it would fall apart. And Noah was not a master shipbuilder. He was just an amateur. So how the hell could he do better than 19th century wooden shipbuilders who their biggest ship ever was – three quarters the size of the arc, apparently all this kind of stuff. The first thing out of Ken Ham's mouth when he started his rebuttal was, wow, that was a lot of stuff to throw at me. <laughs> That's right. And the entire secular Twitterverse exploded with, wait a minute. Did Ken Ham just accuse Bill Nye of doing a gish gallop? Right. Holy fuck. Because it wasn't just the boat. There was also the 700, 800,000 layer or 860,000 layers of ice melts and, and thaws that you would have to have in the last, you'd have to have 170 of those per year 
to to match that or the 8000 year old tree or something like that yeah and then of course they would all of this stuff would have to survive the flood and so there was there were so many different parts of science and then of course there was how does a kangaroo oh, or a koala how does a kangaroo get to australia when there's no evidence of a land bridge there there's no evidence of any kangaroos between uh mount ararat and Australia, let alone at Mount Area, <laughs> right? Right. You would think that they would, they would have to breed, and they would have quickly. To, <laughs> well, yeah, because they're the last things. And so, at some point, you should find some evidence that kangaroos, over marsupials, had been through that. Because obviously, it's not like kangaroos. You have the koala, you have the dingo, you have the the. Uh, well, dingo was part of the dog kind, and koala is part <laughs> of the bear kind. <laughs> Koala is not a bear. Exactly. Um, they they think bear. It must be a bear. But this so is, it's part this, of the bear. This kind. is also one. This is a small <laughs> beef that I always get when people say, "Oh, well, they had to bring them on two by two. No one ever says, and they had to bring on seven pairs of the unclean beasts, which were not defined as unclean until Moses's time. You're gonna have to explain that one to me. Okay. Let me explain this. I keep thinking of uh, Princess Bride. Let me explain. No, it right. take too long. I'll sum okay. up. So, we talk about the flood, and this is from Genesis 7, the New American Standard Bible. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens, a male and his female. And of the animals that are not clean, two, a male and his female. Huh. And also the birds of the sky by sevens. So, so seven pairs? Seven pairs, male and female. So it's not just two by two, but there's seven of the clean and unclean. But the, but the thing is, we're not told what is a clean animal, what is an unclean animal, until the Mosaic Laws. Hmm. When right. he says those with cloven hooves are unclean, and therefore you, you, that's where pigs, you can't eat the pigs. <laughs> right, okay. So it annoys me when they say, but, I mean, it doesn't even have to be, because you just have two by two. But even the creationists say, oh, we only have two of that. Well, no, you actually have seven, which is kind of lends credence to the whole thing, I guess, because now they have seven of each. But you, you still have least... to get seven of every single fucking animal onto this ark. So even if you have 7,000 kinds, which Bill Nye said, that you would have to have male and female, that means, leads to 14,000 Times seven, right. which is just math. Right. So, so you would have to have since elephants, as far as I know, are clean animals. Right. You would have to have fourteen of them. Of them, yeah. not just not just two little baby pocket germs. You have to have fourteen of the little fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't it doesn't destroy the the argument at all. Right. But, but it, it just it just shows that there there are far more animals on there than we're led to believe. <laughs> they're they're kind of ignoring their own proof in if they say, Oh, well, the the ark was big enough because it had, you know, just two two of each kind and there was only one or two thousand. Well right. okay, just using off of Bill Nye's numbers of saying seven thousand kinds, right. that would lead to almost a hundred thousand Animals Actual on animals. a, I don't know, couple football fields long boat. <laughs> right. And one, one of the fun things that Bill Nye brought up is that the National Zoo, which only has maybe a couple hundred species or whatever, 
it's 135 acres or something like that. And people criticize that for not having enough room for the animals. Right. Let alone this tiny little arc. Well, to be fair, they didn't have the animal rights stuff problems back in the <laughs> back in the day. You could just shove them in that, you know, neck, you know. Basically, they were put in there like chickens in a coop. <laughs> but a lot of this goes back to the, the same point that Ken Ham kept pounding on, which was this idea of historical science versus observational science. Right. His idea is that from Noah's Ark, there was a, a, a kind of dogs, a pair of kinds of dogs, but maybe seven pairs. Right. Uh, it which, makes it a little bit better. If you really read the Bible, <laughs> then, okay, so there were seven pairs of dogs. You're saying that that's the absolute little truth because... That is observational. He he kept saying that anything in the Bible was observational science. <laughs> Yet, that's the very definition of something that would be considered historical science. It was just written in one book. Right. There's not any other lines of evidence. There's nothing observational about that except the fact that he has to believe that oh, wait, the that... Bible itself was literally true in order to believe everything else. And that was the other thing that the Eric Coven PhD guys thought was that we had the original documents from all of this. Hey, we barely have the Dead Sea Scrolls, which right. are really deteriorated, and are copies of copies of copies. Right. No, he, he, they basically said, you know, we've, we, have, we have these scrolls. We know what, what's on them, implying that they were the originals. Yeah, I don't think they realize that these are copies of copies of what, copies. What was that? Uh, and not not even copies. They're actually conglomerations of multiple copies with different parts missing. <laughs> what was the um, Nicene Council where they decided Nicene what was going to go in the Bible? Yeah. I don't even know if we have original copies of the final Bible they decided on. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Let alone all these other original source materials of all the other books. The book of Judas. The book of... Wally, <laughs> I think there I is a book no, of Judas there is. out yeah, there. It yeah, came out a couple. Of, yeah, it came out a couple of years ago. <laughs> I found it. They, they found I it. Like, found like it recently. Yeah. Anyway, it was kind of fun yeah. following stuff on. Tra it, was, it was impossible for me to follow the uh, hashtag creation debate mm -hmm. because there are so many people on that on that yeah. particular. It just flew by. Uh, but the nylon ham uh, <laughs> one that Dillahunty, I, th I think it was Matt Dillahunty, set up was. Hilarious, yeah, and there was some some really good stuff on that. So. Yeah. So uh, if you, if you had if you didn't get a chance to see it, I I guess it's it's kind of worth it. Um, yeah. I think the good thing is that Nye really showed Bill Nye really showed uh, that Ken Ham's creationist stance doesn't have much to stand on. Now the creationists are just going there. They will deny it, yeah. and you can you can find Eric Hoven's Creation Minute or whatever when it's like thirty minutes of them babbling on, and then just today Ken Ham has his takedown and rebuttal, I guess, of what happened. So you you can see that I'm they sure think Bill Nye is going to be on a few skeptical podcasts relatively oh, soon oh, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but the purpose wasn't to convince them. Eric Hoven is. Not going to change. Ken Ham is not going to change. Well, his mind. maybe Kirk Cameron might change his mind. No, no, I'm just kidding. But, but their their kids might, and yeah. some of the people who were there who think they believe in creationism because they don't really understand it. And as one of my friends posted 
the other day, or rather, one of his friends posted the old trope, if they're humans, why are they still monkeys? Yeah. Those people may realize that there's a lot of real data and real science and answers to these questions, but because they have the... I don't know, an inability to Google. Or they've been trapped in the homeschool kind of ecosphere. Right. Or, where you're not allowed to question outside of the sources you have. Right. Or they don't even know how to because they mm -hmm. think Answers in Genesis is a perfectly viable scientific source. I mean, they have papers, technical <laughs> papers. We have PhDs too. <laughs> I know. Uh, by the way, uh, there was a lot of that appeal to authority that Ken Ham did. Not a single one of them was a biologist. Right. A lot it of just, engineers, but I bet that most of them don't use the battlefield earth thing <laughs> with the sleeve stacks or whatever they were, where when they did math, there was a weird thing they did with the math in the book that uh, gave them, made this 13 base number system come out because they had like a 14th base that was all about the gods. And so that actually caused a permutation in the calculation but okay sure but my point is that engineers don't do that engineers use base 10 math usually but they use this system to find their answers that are consistent and they reflect reality the system of science the system of yeah. science but they use mathematics yeah which is a self-consistent Kind of, you have to, there's a presupposition to it, but it's, you, uh, it, it, you're trying to make the point that you can't believe in the mathematics of engineering, but say that mathematics doesn't work when you're determining the decay ratio of atoms, which is all down to mathematics and half-life that you have to believe that that works too. Well, yeah, but, uh, but the, the whole thing about logic is you can create logical systems that are self-consistent within themselves, but they don't re re reflect reality. Okay. Whereas uh, logic, the logic that we use in science and the number system we use are not only self-consistent, but they also reflect reality. And that's something that creationism just doesn't do. It doesn't re reflect what we see. It's like right. It reflects what they want to believe, but not what we see. It starts with the answer and tries to bend everything to that yeah. will. Yeah, as exactly. opposed to the other way around. Exactly. When when you were talking about all the list of scientists slash engineers that they have on their website, I immediately thought of, I think it was called the Steve Project or the yes. Steve List, yeah. of just people named Steve who adhere to and understand and will say, I, unfortunately, I hate to use this word, believe in evolution. And it was just people named Steve. And I think that's even a longer list than the creationist scientist list of all names. Yeah, it was called Project Steve. Uh, the NCSE put it up. It was a response to this, hey, we have we have people who believe in, mm -hmm. in creationism. And it was only supposed to be a couple hundred people. And they believe they eventually got uh, 1,300, 1,320. Now. Steve's. <laughs> <laughs> Biologists. Yeah. Biologists who accept evolution named Steve. Yeah. As opposed to we have 120 scientists who believe in creationism. <laughs> yep. So it's very – I like it. One of the ways I feel that Ken Ham failed in this debate is that 
he really solidified the idea that creationism and intelligent design, because he didn't differentiate himself from that, <laughs> is really based on purely a religious mindset. Mm -hmm. It has to come from that. So that does undermine the argument of the intelligent designer legislators and the state boards of educations who are trying to you know, teach the controversy and say, no, intelligent design isn't religion. We're not claiming who the intelligent creator is. But one of the biggest proponents and most vocal people about creationism and this intelligent design concept is there specifically spouting because it's from the scripture, it must be true. <laughs> And anything outside of that can't possibly be true. That really kind of undermines that position, which may be something that is a positive of this debate that kind of all of us secularists kind of, well, me at least, but a lot of people came into this debate saying Bill Nye can, can only kind of break even. He can't really win. He, he could lose mm -hmm. by making a fool of himself and letting Ken Ham run all over him. But there's no, like, big win for Bill Nye in this situation. But Bill Nye didn't lose. Not, there, not, not according to the creationtoday.com poll. I, I thought it was Christianity Today. Oh, cre cre sorry. Yeah, yeah Christianity. Not the creation today. Christianity <laughs> they Today. They had a, probably a whole different poll. Uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure uh, Bill Nye lost in that poll. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think Bill Nye, where he may have been okay in other situations, like maybe... He kind of was a little weak on really punching out with the radiometric dating thing, like I said a little while ago. He did a great thing on the very last response that he was giving of really pushing the idea that if we don't teach kids real science and real world science that reflects how the world actually works, we're going to fall behind technologically and be outcompeted by other countries and we're going to fall behind that this is going to be a problem economically and also scientifically we're going to not make as many innovations we're i mean i'm going beyond what he actually said but if you follow that reasoning it means we're not going to cure cancer as much as we could have we're not going to develop the uber neat smartphone we're not going to reach that singularity it's going to be someone else or never if we keep walking backwards I think that was a great point for, for him to end on. Yeah. And what we can really end on if we want is what the debate really came down to and what almost everybody talks about as this was the moment of the debate. It wasn't even the last question was what, if anything would change your mind mm -hmm. and the, it was really revealing. Like I said, a couple of minutes ago that Ken Ham's, response was this is all about christianity for me i am a christian you cannot change my mind i you know there's, there's nothing, nothing, nothing you could ever say every every piece of evidence must follow christianity and follow the bible and i'm not going to accept anything else where on the other hand you had bill nye being the reasonable nice guy that his public persona is to say Show me one piece of evidence. Show me a fossil in the wrong layer. Show me a star, what was it? A star that's closer than we think it is based on the speed of light and the standard candle stuff. Just show me one thing. Show me, I mean, he didn't say this, but show me a croc, uh, crocodile. <laughs> you know, sh yeah, but a crocodile wouldn't, wouldn't, yeah. He said, sh show me, show me a, 
a fish that crawled up through the layers. Um, yeah, it was a, a fossil that's in the wrong layer. That's why I was saying that. But yeah, exactly. I think I think the big one is a is a rabbit in the precambrian. Yeah, exactly. Just one piece of evidence, and he had, which followed up him saying several times throughout the debate of, if you do have one thing of evidence that can change the paradigm of modern biology, modern science. If you have evidence that can show this, science will commend you. Science will eventually embrace you. Right, but you have to play by the rules. Yeah, and, and, and but he did he did offer him to come in, show us what you have. Yeah, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, and it really kind of showed that Ken Ham doesn't have anything. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I did want to. But go... he does have really pretty PowerPoint slides. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he some of his it's not all of them, but he he does have some uh, decent graphic designers on his team. <laughs> I wanted to go back real quick just to say what I thought about the creationist versus intelligent design debate. Okay, it reminds me a little bit about the agnostic and atheist debate because <laughs> the intelligent designers are agnostic, or because they refuse, or they're p pretending to they're, be. They're pretending. They're yeah. absolutely pretending to be because they don't want to go. You know. Full creationist. Or they realize they can't if well, they're going to get their things right. through the legal system. Right, but exactly. yeah. Anyway, so, but when you were describing it, I was like, this is, <laughs> this is no different than agnostic versus atheist. Right. Except for the agnostic that has a little bit. No. No. Never mind. You can kind of convince an agnostic if you talk to them and sit them down for a couple of minutes and say, okay, listen, you say you're not sure. What does that tell you about your belief? There are two different questions. Right. They're not the same question on a continuum. Right. It's belief versus knowledge. Those are two different questions. And you can get agnostic to say, well, yeah, I guess technically I'm also atheistic, but I feel more comfortable with that term. That's usually the response sure. I get well, when, you, when having that conversation. They don't burn the agnostics at the stake. No. But, <laughs> you know, intelligent designers know that it's – a change of phrase right. to hide the religiosity of that point of view just for purely legalistic purposes. Because right. the, 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 of people in Panda book where they just went through with a find replace and preponderances. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and just found replaced creationism with intelligent design and <laughs> fucked up and the text <laughs> fucking evolved. I love that. <laughs> anyway. Yes. So, after all that, probably a good time for a cigarette, don't you think? <laughs> oh, you hate it when I say okay, that. Okay, one? No. <laughs> when you have a major celebrity like Philip Seymour Hoffman relapse on his um, heroin addiction, I am so glad I never started any sort of addictive substance ever. Heroin's a gateway drug. <laughs> Actually, no way. That's for the You don't result. start with heroin, but <laughs> I know that if I had started any of those substances, I know I would have probably died of some horrible overdose myself. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'd just be living a very sad life right now. <laughs> Who says I ain't? Uh, <laughs> it's <a> strawberry. <laughs> Do you know what a strawberry is? I, it's a fruit. Yeah, it is, but I, I believe it's also a, a slang term for uh, uh, a girl who who will do anything to get her crack fix. Oh, that makes a lot of sense now. 
Yeah. Really? You get called that a lot? Okay. No, no, no. I'm going back to there was this plot line in I think it was season six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where Willow the Witch essentially gets addicted to magic. And at one point where she's really kind of going down the rabbit hole, stay with me here, Gary. <laughs> she goes to this magic pusher who essentially will kind of give you magic to get you that rush of doing magic. And the guy who's this really kind of skeezy guy who's going to give her this extra magic so she can get her hit basically walks up to her and really creepily kind of touches her cheek and says, you smell like strawberries. <laughs> Oh, and I had no idea that there was any kind of drug reference. Yeah. Of of the wow, your your entire your, your entire <laughs> past just became came into focus. <laughs> the, the scales are gone from my eyes. Hallelujah! I have had my road to Damascus moment. I understand Buffy the Vampire Slayer so much better now. <laughs> At least one moment of the entire. <laughs> uh, no, but. Uh, I just want to say, I think it, uh, CVS Pharmacies came out today and said that they, starting in October, I believe, they are no longer going to be selling tobacco products mm -hmm. in, from their stores. They'll sell them out back near the dumpster. <laughs> well, they got to get rid of inventory. Yeah. But I, I think that is a great move for a store that promotes itself as a pharmacy for well-being. Right. <laughs> Despite the fact that they'll probably still have snacks and candy and yeah, but, uh, homeopathy. That's and, the problem. I, that the, yeah. homeopathy, the snacks and the candy isn't so much because while it may, lead, uh, I don't know, feed your feeding addiction, your oral fixation it's, or whatever. But. My point with the snacks and candy was also actually more kind of a food desert argument ah. of sometimes this – sometimes the CVS – pharmacy drugstore whatever you want to call it also acts as a small general store because yes. they do have canned food and pasta and, and stuff coupons. like that but <laughs> it's not great food it's not fresh fruits and vegetables oh, and that's all that true. kind of it's stuff usually very high in sodium so <laughs> yes it's great that they're saying we're not going to cover tobacco and they're willing to take that business loss because yeah. that's a cash cow you know, I don't know so much at the pharmacy if it is. I see that for the, for the for the um, oh for for, for, for the, the business yeah, as a whole okay, for the corporation. Not, not yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Obviously, they don't sell tobacco out of the pharmacy itself. No, but, I know, but but the say the tobacco section can help pay for things that aren't as revenue generating that they also have to right. have. Well, just, they, it yeah. leaves more spaces for the homeopathy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they do keep a lot of questionable products i mean there are even some over-the-counter stuff that it's like well are you sure it's also the they still carry snake oil like homeopathy which is not so good yeah well baby steps although this is actually <laughs> a pretty big step it is it, it was pretty surprising and it's, it, I, it's, it's a long time coming gonna be interesting to see how the other one pharmacy type corporations like Walgreens and Sh yeah. Shop well, so Aid far, or as whatever. far as I know, they they've said that they're not going to, and so they'll they may get a boost of that. But I remember that in in Virginia when I was a kid, we used to go to the Dart Drug where my dad used to send me in to get his cigarettes or go in himself. <laughs> now a place like Dart Drug has the word drug in it, so I think they should be selling tobacco because <laughs> it is a drug. Because <laughs> it's a drug. In fact, they should be selling marijuana and liquor. Crack and <laughs> no. 
and candy and 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 oh, snacks because right. to me that is a drug. That's right. Yeah. Internet. They should uh, internet. <laughs> porn, kind of addiction. porn. Sexual addiction. Yeah. There you go. They should call it dart addicts. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But yeah, interesting little side story. Yeah. We we have kind of really focused a lot on this one debate in one week in time between a pretty famous creationist, a pretty famous science Well, it's something guy. that we've, we finally all yeah. kind of did together. Yeah. Or all at the same time. So yeah. We weren't like hanging out together. But there's going to be... There's going to be other debates, but I think a lot of the same material is going to be rehashed. So even if someone's listening to this podcast a year from now... Probably the same debate topics would be brought up by other creationists at other debates. I I have a feeling that the creationists are going to be talking about this one for a long time. I hope that we never have to mention this again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I think that we we may fall back on some of the memes that have come out on it. But I I don't know (laughs) that other than this – well, maybe when Donna comes back, she may want to say something. But I, I can't imagine us rehashing the debate because we've we, we've but, said we've said what we wanted to say about it. Nye got his his kicks in. Yeah, but you could take you could go through our podcast, edit out the word Ken Ham, and put in Hovind, and then sure. take out Bill Nye and put in Dawkins or something. Right. And a lot of the same topics would probably come up, probably on both sides. Yeah, how ridiculous the Ark story is versus well, if you got to believe this, you got to believe everything on the other side and. I'm just saying our podcast has staying power, even though it's current events stuff. <laughs> and even though we've gone really, really long this week. Really? Okay. Yes. Well, in that <laughs> case, we should probably uh, end it up. So what did we learn? I think we we learned that um, – I don't think we learned anything this week. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't learn. We, we, we really kind of did our own preaching about the <laughs> creationist right. debate. We learned that uh, Greg and and uh, Gary G- Gary. I thought I said my name. <laughs> I was like, "Who's who's the other guy?" <laughs> well, I understand that you want to be me, Gary, but your name isn't Greg. Uh, I, uh, I, I think we learned that Greg and Gary can go on and on and on. About <laughs> I think we went on just about as much as uh, Bill Nye and Ken Ham. Yeah, <laughs> not quite as long as Greg talking about Tam. But... No, that's true. <laughs> but that was like a three-day event, so. <laughs> and you went to everything. <laughs> there was one year where I missed half of Sunday, but that was for a really good reason. <laughs> okay. Yeah, should I ask? You look like I can't tell if you want me to ask so you can talk about it or whether you want me to just shut up about it. <laughs> Harpo knows apparently. <laughs> so you're just saying it was a good Sunday. Saturday. Well, no, yeah. no, it was Sunday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good weekend. Yes. Yay. Anyway, let's get out of here. We've bored our listeners long enough. All right, so thanks for joining us this week. We will join you next week. No, wait. You'll join us. You'll download us and listen to us. We have podcasts next week too. Yay! Bye. All right, bye. <laughs> the Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire.
birthday! Yay! I'm excited and I'm happy. Are you? Well, I can I can hear it in your voice. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Unless you're a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to be attacked by T-Rexes have... on my way home. <laughs> <laughs> They're going after your new leather jacket. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That basically, that's where, that's where the Jedis came from. Because the T-Rexes, they just they, they couldn't choke anybody, so they learned how to do it with their minds, and they evolved into man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, okay, sure. Let's go with that one, yeah. except for that that's, that's a... Why, that's why Jedis actually, which isn't shown in the films, but it is canon, they actually lay eggs. <laughs> <laughs> except just... for the fact that this is a galaxy far, far away and a long time ago. Yeah. You're saying that it's kind of a traveled dinosaurs traveled here. Yeah, well, a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away, uh, they they blew up Alderaan and bits of that flew through the galaxies, through the universe, and eventually um, seeded our planet. So you're saying that the T-Rex's one vulnerability is Alderaanite? Like Kryptonite for Superman? <laughs> Well, apparently the Jedi's. Wait, are we talking about T Rexes or Jedi's? Well, the because Je there are no there the, are no the Jedi's that have evolved from the dinosaurs that came to Earth. Oh no 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 no! They're just they're 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 biggest. They're um, invulnerable killing machines. No, obviously they're quite vulnerable to bad acting and sulkiness. <laughs> I don't know. I liked the the dinosaurs TV show. That was pretty good. It was, I never saw. Sorry. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things I've never seen. <laughs> but I have seen It's a Beautiful Life. Wonderful life. It's a wonderful life. It's a beautiful <laughs> mind. It's a beautiful, wonderful life. All right. Uh, you know, this is tangential. Just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> birthday. Do we have a birthday? Yes. Yay. Am I just insane? I think I've gone insane. <laughs> just a bit. I'm just trying to figure out of that last five minutes, do I just cut it out and put it at the end? Or you leave might, it in yeah, the middle? you might as well cut it out, yeah. So, birthday today. Some days... This guy, Matthew Mills, just ran up to the microphone and said, Investigate 9-11. 9-11 was perpetu... Per fucking me. Perpetuated. <laughs> Investigate 9-11. 9-11 was perpetrated by people within our own government. And then he walked off and got kind of looked at by everybody. And I agree, Harpo. What? I, I don't know if she's agreeing with him or saying, or saying, uh, the guy's a miserable lying sack of... Apparently, Harpo was a 9-11 truther. Apparently. <laughs> What? What? Do you want to go outside or something? 